The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to the 264th ever show of All Around Sports. Reach Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, we broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this weekend and what's ahead for the week. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at iirsportsoneword.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, bizarre news items and event of the week that I covered. Also, we will be joined next segment by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham of Bama Magazine, with whom we will delve deeply into college football. Well, I will start today with my event of the week that I covered, which was golf legend Greg Norman's Franklin Templeton shootout at Tiburon Golf Club at the Ritz-Carlton Golf Resort in beautiful Naples, Florida. Although I've been to Naples many times, it was my first time covering this popular event. And well worth the trip as both the setting and the field was spectacular. And in the end, uh, Harris English and Matt Kuchar edged Steve Strickler and Jerry Kelly by one stroke uh, at the end in the final holes on Saturday afternoon, as you all were able to see on Fox Network. For years, I had watched on TV this three-day tournament. It ends on Saturday. And always wanted to cover it, given its unique Ryder Cup-ish format of two-player teams participating in a scramble, alternate shot, and better ball formats over the course of the three rounds. And, of course, it's preceded by a very popular pro-am on Tuesday and Wednesday during the week. The weather was perfect, as always, down in Naples. And as usual, big crowds turned out to see uh, great golf and walk around the beautiful grounds. And uh, while getting up as close and personal with the golfers as really any tournament I've ever seen on tour, you're literally able to just uh, have conversations given its uh, relaxed setting and layout. And uh, it's just really, really a wonderful event. I'm so glad I went. And uh, again, just something I've in, I enjoyed immensely. And some of the other big names that were there were uh, Charles Howell III, Rory Sabatini, Daniel Berger and K.J. Choi, Mike Weir and Gary Woodland. These are each of these two twosomes are teams. Sean O'Hare and Kenny Parry, Kevin Chappell and Kevin Kisner. Charlie Hoffman and Billy Horschel, Luke Donald and Russell Knox, Bryson DeChambeau, and 
for the first time, I believe, a, a woman, LPGA player, Lexi Thompson, Smiley Kaufman, and Justin Thomas, Jason Duffner, and Brant Snedeker. So, big field, big names on the field, and uh, again, just really one of the uh, more enjoyable golf tournaments that I've covered, and I've covered many over the years, as all you listeners are well aware of. Well, my highlight of the week was the Army-Navy game. Uh, Army finally broke through after losing 14 games in a row, and they did it in style with uh, basically driving, driving the field 80 yards to win the game after Navy had taken the lead for the first time all day midway through the fourth quarter. And then Army, uh, who just came out really looking ready to play, and should be noted that Navy had played in the American Athletic Conference Championship against Temple the week before, whereas Army had had three weeks off. But as they say in the Army and the Navy, there's no excuses. There's no there's no nothing. You just go out and play. And Army was just uh, bound and determined, it seemed, to end this streak. I had the pleasure of attending the game in 2012 when Army just about pulled it out. And uh, for those of you watching the game, Gary Danielson and Vern Lundquist, and by the way, uh, shout out to Vern Lundquist for his last college football game. It was really uh, wonderful tributes, including what he had to say himself at the end. But anyway, they made constant references to Trent Steelman, the Army quarterback who was driving Army down the field at the link in Philly, on that fateful day in 2012 and uh, uh, had a bad exchange and fumbled the ball. And we all remember the now uh, famous shots of Trent Steelman uh, sobbing uncontrollably, uh, you know, on the sidelines and after the game. And it just, you know, showed how important it was to him. And uh so for me, it brought back a lot of memories. I'm a huge fan. I grew up watching the Army-Navy game for as far back as I can remember, uh, basically my entire life. I uh, got to cross it off my bucket list in 2012 when I headed down to Philly for what was a spectacular weekend, Super Bowl-like, with Radio Row and everything. And you see things at an Army-Navy game that you just simply don't see anywhere else, uh, starting with, you know, uh, the, the uniforms, uh, I'll just never forget it. You know, you have the march on a few hours before kickoff with the cadets and the midshipmen. But what I'll never forget uh, was seeing every type of uniform imaginable uh, from combat fatigues right up to and including dress blues and everything in between from privates to generals. Uh, it is just quite a spectacle outside the stadium, inside the stadium, and uh, really should be at the top of every sports fan's bucket list. And I think best of all, uh, the greatest rivalry in sports, in my mind, but it's not a real rivalry when one team has won 14 in a row. So I think Army's win on Saturday did a lot to bring that rivalry, restore it back to its former glory. Uh, not that it hasn't been big through the 14 years, but uh, I think it's going to, again, 
elevate the rivalry to even greater heights, uh, especially during these times, uh, as now Army has broken through. They've got this streak behind them, and uh, and now it just feels like it's a little more even playing field, and uh, I think the games to come are going to be better than the games we've had, which have been awesome. That leads into my low light of the week, which is simply uh, the Broncos, Aqib Talib threatening to beat up Tennessee Titan Harry Douglas after his low hit on on Denver's Chris Harris yesterday. All I can say is after seeing Aqib Talib play here in New England, he is the, the last person I would want to have after me. <laughs> and uh, he made the re- reference after the game about, uh, we obviously he went nuts right on the field. We all saw that. And then he made the reference that I guess they share the same agent. And if he sees him again at the agent's office or whatever in Atlanta, uh, he's going to have a few things to say to him, uh, if not more. So that was pretty crazy. And the, uh, the runner-up has to be uh, Bengal... Adam Pacman Jones repeatedly calling Cleveland's Terrell Pryor garbage after the game yesterday, even grabbing a garbage can to illustrate his point. Apparently, Pryor's doing something to get under people's skin because uh, uh, I think it was a New York Giant uh, defensive back uh, tweeted out or whatever some uncomplimentary remarks about Pryor earlier in the season. So. Uh, prior to someone who I've watched closely, I'm from Pennsylvania, and he's the, one of the all-time Pennsylvania high school legends in not only football, but basketball. Uh, so, uh, pretty bizarre, to say the least. Or, uh, well, bizarre and also lowlights in many ways, but my bizarre story of the week was watching Le'Veon Bell of the Pittsburgh Steelers just run wild in the snow at Buffalo yesterday, uh, setting, uh, ran for about 260 yards. Uh, he set the all-time Pittsburgh Steeler uh, mark for rushing yards in a game. Again, just bizarre that he could do that in that crazy weather up there yesterday, uh, complete with uh, snow and halftime issues of getting the pellets off the field. Uh, Le'Veon also caught four passes for another 62 yards, so a 300-yard day of total offense, and boy, he was just uh, really something special. It was really unbelievable, and again, bizarre given the weather to watch, and I watched every play, and uh, you know, to set the all-time Steeler rushing mark for a game uh, in that weather is... One of the more bizarre things I've ever seen. Um, it was just in- incredible to watch. So, watch out for the Steelers. Uh, boy, with that offense, Ben, although he didn't have a good day, but Ben, Antonio Brown, and Le'Veon Bell, uh, <clears throat> they're, they're getting up there. If that team wins a Super Bowl or two, they're going to be up there with the uh, triplets of Dallas of uh, Troy Aikman, Emmett Smith, and Michael Irvin. They are that, that scary to put it mildly so now let's take our break and next up will be our weekly call-in expert ap stedham of bama magazine so don't go anywhere 
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Join Matt Fish and Alex Clancy every week for Rebound Radio. We'll talk with the legends of basketball about how they got started, their rise to the top of the game, how basketball has changed their lives, and what they're up to now. Just like the game itself, you'll find that lives can pivot on a dime. There can be last-minute saves, and life is anything but run-of-the-mill. Rebound Radio can be heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. You won't want to miss the next show. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is one 888 346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we often have guests, and on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., how you doing today? I'm doing good, John. Glad to be here. Glad to have you as always, and as always, we have uh, breaking news across the board, it seems, on the college Football front, starting with coaching and starting with uh, the team that you cover, University of Alabama, Lane Kiffin, has taken the job at uh, Florida Atlantic University, I believe, or is it FIU? I'm not, I'm not sure. I should, uh, I should know that difference, but uh, big news, right? It sure is. Yeah, Florida Atlantic, Boca Raton, and John, I, I'm not surprised that Lane Kiffin has made a move it's just maybe the school that he chose. Yeah, yeah. You know, watching ESPN and whatnot this morning, there seemed to be uh, similar similar comments. Not surprised because I think he was determined to get his get a head coaching job again, uh, and he's had some of the more high profile head coaching jobs you can have with USC and the Oakland Raiders, uh, and he's also had his. High-profile and offensive coordinator job as exists in the world of college football, given their success, of course, at Alabama. But yeah, I, I just have to believe, uh, and he, of course, was seemed to be like to have the inside track at Houston. He did not get it. Major Applewhite did. He was promoted from within to get the Houston job. But I just have to assume that Florida Atlantic was the best of the rest in, in Lane Kiffin's eyes and given its location in Florida and especially talent-rich Broward County, maybe the best county in America for youth football, uh, he must have saw some things he liked. Yeah, besides the weather, I think he's always looking for talent. And so I, I guess that was the, the best of the, 
the rest that was available, uh, you know, we had some high-profile positions available at Oregon, and they went with Willie Taggart of South Florida. Houston went with Major Applewhite. Um, you know, USC, their coach rallied their team to have a good season. Uh, Texas had their sights on Tom Herman since maybe day one of this year. Uh, right, no surprise uh, there. So, you know, so there wasn't much left available, and I know he was determined to get another head coaching position. I mean, it's not Tennessee, it's not USC, it's not the Oakland Raiders, but it is a head coaching position. He can make his own decisions. Yes, and I, I, I failed to reference that he was the head coach at Tennessee as well. You talk about previous high-profile jobs, and uh, I guess I have to ask you this, AP. I mean, you, you have a good sense of him, having watched him up close and personal for the last couple of years at Alabama. Is he like a builder of programs? I mean, again, he's had the three high-profile jobs that we all know, and let's also add that he was a coordinator for Pete Carroll during – USC success under Pete Carroll, and uh, but I, I, my first thought was, you know, is he the kind of guy that wants to take on the challenge of bringing a not so well known program into the limelight? Is he? I, I don't know. I have no idea, but I thought maybe you have a sense. Well, I know that he really connects with the young players and the young people of today's world because he's on that social media and. He speaks their lingo, so and I know that he's done very well with the, whatever the talent is put beforehand. He's developed, and they've had better seasons uh, since he was their coach. Yes, well, you know, I referenced Broward County, where I'm pretty sure uh, Boca Raton is located, uh, which is in the you know north of Miami, Lauderdale area, but. I have personally witnessed Broward County playing in and winning youth national championships uh, in Naples, Florida, and San Antonio, Texas in recent years. And uh, uh, when I've covered the football university, uh, 6th, 7th, and 8th grade national championship weekend. And uh, yeah, it has just been, uh, uh, again, they're, they're, they're just, a power for instance last year i believe uh teddy bridgewater's nephew was the quarterback for the sixth grade team just to give you a sense of the type of talent we're talking about and he was small he was small like teddy and he just dominated the game he's like the smallest kid on the field so broward county again you know i've witnessed them driving across state to naples and winning these national championship in sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, and uh, so they're just a, uh, they've got a tremendous youth program. Obviously, those kids are attending the local high schools, and if Lane Kiffin builds something where he's picking off some of those studs, and I do mean studs, then he is, uh, you know, he, he couldn't be really in a better location, I, I, you know, youth football-wise. No, and he's going to make it wide open and fun for all those players. I'm sure he's going to get himself a quarterback that he'll let him throw it 50 times, and he's going to get some receivers who want to catch eight to ten passes a game, and that's going to be his appeal, I believe. Yeah, and and Florida Atlantic, you know, if I'm not mistaken, you know, they've kind of been on the rise, and by that I mean I think they, within the past few years, built 
uh, a new stadium in, in Boca Raton, seats around 30,000. Uh, you know, don't get me wrong, they have a long way to go. But, you know, again, having lived in Florida, have, having covered, you know, a lot of uh, football down in Florida through the years, uh, it's no secret, you know, it's the best high school football in the country is being played there. And, uh, you know, there's room for more. I guess that's all you can say. There's, of course, you know, Miami, Florida State, and Florida, the Gators. And then you throw in University of Central Florida, uh, what they've done in recent years. And then uh, on to our next big breaking news story, University of South Florida and UCF and USF are both in the American Athletic Conference, both of which you and I have covered. And uh, they hired Charlie Strong, it appears. So, again, I've been on the University of South Florida campus. They play it. Uh, that's where the Steelers trained, uh, practiced the week of the Super Bowl in Tampa a few years back when they uh, beat the Arizona Cardinals on the famous San Antonio Holmes play that year. But it's this beautiful campus, obviously in a big city, playing the Tampa Bay Buck Stadium, Raymond James Stadium. And I think for the whole Charlie Strong story, the way the saga has unfolded, what have you, given he used to be a coordinator with the Gators at University of Florida, so he knows the, knows the state, I think it's just an absolutely perfect landing spot for him. I really do. John, I concur and agree wholeheartedly with Charlie Strong. He knows Florida, been at the University of Florida many years. He knows the territory. The high school coaches know him. I mean, he recruited to that area for Louisville. Got all those players to come north to Kentucky. So right. it's a perfect landing spot. He'll do fairly pretty well. I think it's a great hire for South Florida to bring in Charlie Strong and, and continue their program, which had a really good year. And yep. I know the American Athletic Conference. They're you know they're jumping for joy to have him back in the conference. I would think so, and, uh, you know, if my timing is right, I'm guessing then uh, Charlie Strong would have recruited Teddy Bridgewater out of the South Florida area, if I'm not mistaken, because I know Teddy's from there, like his nephew. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, of course he would have. That, the, the, the timing is perfect for Charlie Strong would have been there when Teddy Bridgewater arrived and was in, you know. So, yeah, he's... Uh, you know, I just think it's good because given what he has been through and just the whole picture of his time at Texas, it feels like that he, uh, you know, that he would have, you know, he's just going to be better off going to a slightly smaller school. I just don't think a lateral move, not that there's many lateral moves to Texas, there's probably only one or two, but he, I think you know what I'm saying. You know, it's just uh, yeah. the glare isn't quite so bright, and more importantly, the alumni isn't quite so insatiable. Um, and I, I just think he's going to get the time to really build something back up, and I'll even go as far as to say, you know, USF, although they might not be where Louisville was when Charlie Strong took over there, I, I think it's safe to say that, you know, USF is a team, given its location, its conference, and the success they've had, is something you could, you know, that he could turn into something uh, 
pretty special. Yeah, I think so, John. He's out of the limelight, as you said. And he can point to the fact that he's had success with Florida players. Correct. Um, he's at Louisville. I mean, he doesn't have to say, believe my word. He could say, just look at the facts. You know, I had Teddy Bridgewater and some of his compadres come up to Louisville, and we had a successful program and a team, and we went to a big bowl. And, and I think they beat, didn't they beat Florida in a bowl, I, I thought. And it should I be think bowl. they... I think you might be right. I mean, they certainly had some huge wins. I mean, Charlie Strong, you know, put Louisville firmly on the national map. Uh, and, you know, they, it's not like they hadn't had success before them, before him, but they, you know, I think he just helped them establish themselves as, you know, a team consistently on the national scene. And, uh, you know, you, you need to only go right up the road an hour from Tampa to Orlando to see, you know, where fellow conference team, uh, University of Central Florida, just a couple of years ago, you know, had tremendous success on the national scene with Blake Bortles leading them to a Fiesta Bowl victory and Blake being, I believe, a top five pick and uh, the Jaguars. And, you know, so, I mean, the blueprint is right there in front of them for what an American Athletic Conference school can do, especially based in Florida, uh, you know, both within the conference and on the national scene. It's just right there. It just happened two, three years ago. Yeah, they, I believe they beat Baylor in a high-scoring affair. And, John, yep. here's a little uh, known fact about their scheduling. I believe in 2020, University of South Florida plays Texas. Really? That's right. You tell you. I think you had mentioned that. Yes. So yeah. Again. Uh, yeah. It's games like that will you know put them on the national scene, uh, and that'll be a game worth watching, given the history, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it'll, it'll be in his fourth year of the program, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, and and he'll have his chance to to uh, make a statement to the folks at Texas. <clears throat> No doubt about it. Well, again, you know, the uh, just like Lane Kiffin, the, the talent pool in South Florida where it's just, you know, a religion. I mean, I grew up in western Pennsylvania when western Pennsylvania was the best high school football in America uh, by, by many people's standards. Uh, and we're talking 60s here, 70s. But now, uh, cradle quarterbacks and all that. But I mean, within the, for the past decade, there is no question that Florida has the best high school football. Uh, you know, from from Derrick Henry right on down, and many, many, many others in between, countless others. And uh, you know, they've assumed the mantle, and they're above not only Pennsylvania, but in my mind, above Texas, California, and all the other traditional high school powers, Ohio and Georgia, and, uh, you know, to say it's a religion down there is an understatement. I mean, it's, it's different than the kids of, of the blue-collar steelworkers growing up in Pennsylvania and having Pennsylvania, you know, and having football as an outlet. Uh, now it's just so firmly established in the youth leagues of South Florida that, uh, you know, where they play year-round with the weather and all that, that it's just really... Uh, it's the place to be if you're a college football coach, no doubt about it. Yeah, so many people trying to recruit the state of Florida, all the conferences, main conferences, I and mean, even 
USC dips down there once in a while from the West Coast to try to get some players. And uh, the, the you know the new coach of uh, Oregon, Willie Taggart, he's down there trying to get players. Oh, no doubt about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's almost a prerequisite now if you're a college football coach. You, you know, let's just say it will enhance your profile if you have uh, a track record in the state of Florida because it's an endless, endless pool of talent. And AP, uh, hard to believe we're already at the end of our first segment. Lots more to talk about, and we'll do so on the other side. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, back to the show. We're some America listeners. Welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show... The call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. You can email me at iir at comcast.net. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., we had the Heisman Trophy awarded on Saturday night. And uh, I won't say to the surprise of nobody, Lamar Jackson won, but, you know, I think at the very end... uh, you know, I, I expected that Deshaun Watson was going to make a late rush and might even win the award. I must say, as I watched live, that's truly who I thought was going to get it. But in the end, it was Lamar Jackson, who's been the front runner since September. And uh, and when they showed the results after the you know after the vote was announced, uh, you know, he won pretty handily, all in all. You talk about bursting on the national scene and having a signature game. That was it, and you're totally right. It stuck with people. I've referenced a couple times that Showtime series on Florida State. So, you know, uh, so it got like a behind-the-scenes highlight from the Florida State point of view uh, with that victory above and beyond what you would typically have. Um, And, yeah, you know, he just... uh, 
such a smooth, great runner, good thrower. Uh, and oh, by the way, even though he didn't win, I, I also think, you know, he uh, won, won a lot of votes uh, in that close loss to Clemson. In the championship run, and he just barely lost at the end. You know, they couldn't come up with that last play. The receiver kind of went the wrong, wrong direction, actually. And That's exactly right. Ball, instead of running to the inside to get the first down, he, he ran the outside and they tackled him, and that was the ball game. That's exactly right. He veered out towards the sideline with, like, you know, famous last play, really, from this season. And, uh, you know, the Clemson defender shoved him out at around the, whatever, three, four, five-yard line, and that was that. But, you know, the take-home from that game was, you know, you had to be impressed with what Lamar Jackson did. It, it, there was a little bit of, you know, because of the way it ended, uh, that, you know, you couldn't you couldn't blame it in any way on Lamar Jackson. He drove him down the field. He drove him within, you know, a couple yards of winning that game. And But for a, slay, a, a move inside rather than outside, they very well may have won that game on basically the final play. Yeah, John, I mean, he, he made the plays. He can't do everything. He can't play defense. He can't, after he catches the football, run the, you know, away from the defender. And uh, so he did everything he could. So he was in the same caliber as Deshaun Watson. Whether you, you thought Watson was better, you know, that's a, um, you know, a choice that you had to make. But I thought that he, he still was going to win the award to Heisman because he had such a tremendous start to the season and what was it 51 touchdowns he accounted for throughout all those games so that that's quite a number stunning statistics and he just had some real highlight real stuff i mean you know it may not have been the heisman pose but uh all year long we were seeing that one highlight of him leaping the defender uh which was just really special athleticism there and then there was just uh, another set of just long, long runs by him. You know, long sweeping runs down the field of 50, 60, 70 yards. So his highlight reel was uh, pretty easy to put together, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. and I think uh, Deshaun Watson, his numbers, I think, throwing the football were comparable to last year, but they didn't allow him to run the football as much. And then he had some tight games where they, the defense held them down. So maybe that worked against them uh, slightly. Yeah, well, I think what really what happened was, you know, obviously Lamar Jackson got off the great start, as we discussed. Deshaun Watson, given coming off the national championship game where he played great last year against Alabama, you know, uh, his early part of the season was not quite up to people's expectations and they were, you know, fortunately for them, they kept winning a lot of close games, maybe the game against NC state where they should have lost. Ultimately they did lose to Pitt, but he threw for over 500 yards and like whatever, five touchdowns in that game. So it wasn't, you know, so he had a good game in their one loss, but uh, (laughs) yeah, but I, I, it just feels like it was a bit of a strange year in that, uh, you know, by the time he got to, into October, Lamar Jackson basically had won it, it felt like, and Deshaun Watson was pretty much off people's radar. But as it turned out, you know, in the final games of the season, it was Lamar Jackson who would stumble, and Deshaun Watson came on big time. And uh, But 
clearly not enough. Again, uh, you know, when they flashed the, the, the final vote counts and all that, Lamar Jackson won pretty handily. There, were, there can be no question. It wasn't that close. And I think he even, like, you know, I think there was some graphic about him having, you know, being among the leaders in margin of victory, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, John, I mean, he, he's so athletic. I mean, he had all those highlight moments that people remember and can recall. I mean, that one that you you mentioned about leaping over the defender. I mean, that's a Superman-type play. And Correct. Not to even, you know, I mean, that's aside from his ability to throw the football and, and lead his team to all these victories and keep Louisville, you know, in, in the mainstream of the football world. So... I just felt Lamar Jackson was going to win it all the time. I, I just didn't think Deshaun Watson could overcome him. I just didn't have that feeling going into Saturday night. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, it's interesting. Uh, again, at the moment of truth that whatever, 8.50 p.m. Eastern on Saturday night as they're, uh, they're reading the winner, uh, I just felt at that moment, yeah, I thought it was going to be Deshaun Watson. But... I was wrong, and Lamar Jackson is a more than deserving winner. And, uh, you know, the other three finalists, uh, you know, they were on throughout the day on various shows. Uh, You know, Baker Mayfield, uh, D.D. Westbrook, and Jabril Peppers. And they were all great. I mean, they were all just great personalities and, you know, really fun to watch. I mean, Baker Mayfield and D.D. Westbrook were like a, a comic duo together. They were just fantastic on TV on like Saturday afternoon. They were hilarious to watch. They really were. They had good chemistry on the field as well as off. Exactly. Very well said. Uh, well, you know, I, I can't let any more time pass without talking about what was my highlight of the week and really as good a game as you ever see is, uh, the Army-Navy game on Saturday afternoon, that was just some special stuff as Army finally broke through to end the 14-game losing streak versus the midshipmen. Yeah, John, and of all the games that was on, happened during Vern Lundquist's final broadcast uh, of college football. So that was exciting for fans to hear him call the game and see Army uh, beat Navy for the first time and it seemed it seemed like forever, didn't it? I mean, it does that. Series. It did. He always watched it, and Navy Navy was has been so strong through the years against Army. You thought it wouldn't happen, but it made for good television. It was great television, you know. Uh, the you know, I mean, the last time Army won was the one the game after, immediately following nine eleven, two months later, and you know, Navy had to play uh, its backup quarterback who, you know, was having problems in the first half, but yet he, uh, you know, certainly played well in the second half and scored what would have been the, what uh, thought it, what it looked like at the time, maybe the winning touchdown, given the way their offenses take time, because he, he scored on a spectacular run uh, with about five minutes to go, but then Army, you know, just marched right down the field, pun intended, and... Uh, <laughs> and won, won it in style. They earned it. You, you know, there was no fluke. There was no nothing. They they no. did what they do. 
along in that drive with three, four minutes to go, they completed their first pass of the game, which I think ended up being their only completion of the game. Pretty amazing. <laughs> but they also racked up over 300 yards rushing and 40 right, minutes right. time of possession. So, so they earned it. There, there, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about how they earned the victory. Uh, it, but it, just a great game. As enjoyable a game as I've watched, and like you said, accented by Vern Lundquist broadcasting his last college football game and the emotions around that. They even had Donald Trump on, which was interesting as well, uh, you know, at the end of halftime and for a few minutes into the third quarter. So that was that was kind of cool. It was different. Mm-hmm. Not that we haven't seen yeah. presidents before or president-elects at the Army-Navy game, but... Uh, yeah, he, he created quite a stir, as he always does uh, with his presence. John, I was reading a headline today that that game has become so popular, I think 10 cities would like to have that matchup. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, as I said at the top of the show, you know, I grew up in that game. Uh, my father was in the service. It was appointment television. The entire family sat down. And watched that game, and it was always from Philadelphia, JFK Stadium, 100,000 people. So when I finally was able to go for the first time, for me personally, it had to be in Philadelphia. Like I, I know they play at, <laughs> I, I know they play at MetLife or East Rutherford, New Jersey, where the Giants and Jets play from time to time, and they also play obviously in Washington from time yeah. to time, FedEx Field, and this one obviously was in Baltimore. Uh, Raven Stadium, but for me, you, you know, it, the first time I went, it had to be in Philadelphia, and it was really special. And you know, if, if you watch the game, as I mentioned again at the top of the show, they constantly referenced Trent Steelman, the Army quarterback who was involved in the fumble as they were driving down for what would have been the winning score in 2012, and uh, you know, so. To hear Vern Lundquist and Gary Danielson consistently referencing that, especially as the game drew closer in the fourth quarter, um, yeah, I loved it. So, even though Army didn't break the streak that year, it's clearly you know there's some images from that game that I attended, and I was on the field for the ending of the the game uh, that will never be forgotten. That that was you know an iconic game and. Uh, but this one was certainly an iconic game with Army finally breaking through, and good for them. Yeah, I was I was happy for them and all the people around the country who served in the Army and were cheering for them. And it's something that I'd love to do at some point in my life, attend oh, the yeah. game, cover that game. Absolutely. Well, I had the pleasure to cover the Army spring football game this year uh, out at West Point uh, at the end of April. And so I really got to see uh, and meet some of the players, uh, you know, that day. And, you know, even then, six, uh, eight months ago, uh, you know, they had the look. Uh, when they said beat Navy, they said it with a little more emphasis, I think, this year than others. Uh, so they were on a mission. Uh, again, pun intended. They were on a mission and uh, yeah. Um, Mission successful, right? Mission accomplished, as they say. Mission, mission accomplished, and it was via the ground. Via the ground, exactly, which is, of course, <laughs> their calling card. And oh, by the way, you know, their coach, Jeff Mon- Moncton, is uh, an impressive guy as well. I listened to his, you know, 
speech at the end of the spring football game and was really, really impressed. I wrote the story for NFL Player Engagement and one of my funner stories of the year that I wrote. So, you know, uh, bottom line, I think the, the, the what is potentially the greatest rivalry in sports, arguably, will now be even better because now you have a rivalry restored again because Army has won. Can't have a rivalry unless both teams win consistently, right? No, you have to have both sides competitive and winning occasionally and not so one-sided and dominant by, by one of the teams. And, John, I just like to say I'm so glad that they play that the weekend of the Heisman. They have their own broadcast nationally each year, and everyone can tune in and focus on the Army-Navy game. Correct. There are no other games. It's at the exact same time, 3 p.m. Eastern. It's always in a northeastern city. You you referenced, uh, you know, other t- other cities would want it. And trust me, when I went to Philly, it was like a Super Bowl. You know, that Friday night on radio, they have Radio Row, all kinds of cool celebrations and events nonstop. So it's just, uh, you know, tremendous amount of activity. Uh, but, you know, to me, I think, I'm assuming, you know, it's always been in a Northeast city, and I think a big part of that is, you know, so that the thousands of cadets and midshipmen can easily move to whatever city it is by train, bus, or however, drive, whatever. I don't know that they would ever try to, you know, move it somewhere else where it would have to be on, uh, you know, get on airplanes potentially, but we shall see. It's, you know, maybe maybe Soldier Field in Chicago, right? <laughs> Right, yeah, what other place across America? Soldier Field, that mean appropriate. Yeah, that would be appropriate, wouldn't it? Uh, well, anyway, again, it's grown tremendously in recent years, year by year in popularity, given what's going on in the world and with our military. And uh, I, I just think Saturday's game, I saw where it was the highest rated in, I believe, 22 years. And now I think it's going to go up to a new level. Now the Army has won and... Uh, the rivalry is back on even footing, so to speak. So it's going to be fun. Well, AP, hard to believe we're at the end of our third segment. So why don't we take uh, a quick break and we'll get to uh, last couple items on the other side. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine, from the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week. Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on The Voice America Sports Channel. Check your feelings at the door and enter the Man Cave. Don't let the name fool you, because we're here for anybody that wants to talk and listen in. Host J.D. Harris and friends are here to lead the forum from the fans, former players, owners, execs, and coaches. While inside the Man Cave, you do whatever you like. We won't judge. We'll even go beyond sports to talk technology, current events, and entertainment. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Boys America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I'm your host, John Inglesby, and back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., before we get started, my pick of the week for appointment viewing is Buccaneers-Cowboys next Sunday night on Sunday Night Football. And uh, uh, loving those Buccaneers. They are coming on big time, tied with the Atlanta Falcons now uh, in their division in the NFC. Uh, They're hot. They've won, I believe, five in a row. And AP, Jameis Winston, the more the more film I see on him, including after yesterday's game, the more I realize what a tremendous leader he is. We all know what happened to Florida State. Uh, we also all know that he was considered and be- a, big t- a big-time leader and beloved by his teammates. And, boy, we are seeing that aspect of him again at Tampa Bay. I mean... Th- this guy is, you know, is uh, a downright orator at times, you know. And we also all saw the highlight of him from the Ole Miss Florida State opener when he told the Florida State Seminoles at halftime that they're playing like puppies and they needed to play like dogs. So, I mean, <laughs> it, it, there's something about him, I, you know. There just is. There's something about him. And, again, uh and despite the troubles he had at Florida State, uh, there has been no issues uh, that we're aware of whatsoever, uh, you know, since he's gone into the NFL with Tampa. Oh, he's a charismatic figure to the to this generation of football players, and that's all that matters, John, that he's able to, Correct. Uh, you know, grab their attention and, and he'll, he'll lead his football team. John, here, here's a question I have for you. I don't know the answer myself, but... Who do you think might have the better career overall? Would it be Jameis Winston or Cam Newton? Because they're both big, big quarterbacks, strong arms and big personalities. Who do you think might end up with a better career? Boy, you know, that is a great question. I hadn't really thought of it, but fabulous question. Uh, You know, they're going to have to go a long way before they can, uh, you know, rival what we saw on the, uh, you know, from Cam Newton last year, MVP season, 15-1, and one, yes. right to the Super Bowl, where it uh, didn't end well, shall we say. Yes. But boy, I, I, I would not count, you know, uh, I mean, Cam Newton won a national championship, Jameis Winston won a national championship. I would not count out Jameis Winston. Uh, and I think there's a very strong chance, to really answer your question, that these two quarterbacks you know, could be the face of the NFL uh, going forward. And they're in the same division, I believe. So maybe uh, maybe we're headed for, you know, the new, the next Brady-Manning type of rivalry. They haven't quite gotten there yet because they haven't had, <laughs> you know, last year the Panthers were great, the Bucks were okay. This year the Bucks are doing great and the Panthers are having a bad season so yes. you know if those two start playing meaningful division you know championship type games late in the season 
Uh, not to mention, but even uh, you know, in the playoffs, then I think you know they both have the potential to become uh, you know uh, another Brady Manning. And boy, one thing's for sure. I mean, uh, you know, they're they're immense personalities, both of them. Yeah, that could be Brady and Manning part two. I mean, it, yeah, a long, that's a long they have a long way to to go before they make have all those achievements, but. They're very talented. Uh, they, they, you know, they remind me of some bigger type quarterbacks that have come through the league. You know, Dante Culpepper's, you know, same body physically, but uh, these guys, they seem so hungry. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, they're both just, you know, ultra competitive, love to win, and just simply, uh, you know, I, I, again, all they need is to start playing meaningful games, you know. Uh, and I could just see it again, you know, I haven't thought about it till you asked the question, but I could see it with the potential to be a, a Brady Manning type of uh, situation. And, you know, for the Bucks, after watching that Dallas finally have their 11 game winning streak broken last night, uh, all of a sudden the giants don't seem too far behind. The game is in Dallas with the Bucks and, I think I'd go as far as to say this is the biggest game for the Tampa Bay Bucks since they won the Super Bowl in 2002, I believe. Yeah, I don't think you're far off from making that statement, John, because uh, you know Dallas has had a hot streak and they've been cooled off by the Giants twice. Correct. Is, Correct. Be, that, right. That that you know, down the road, I mean, I would think that the Cowboys would feel confident that they've we've lost twice to the Giants. They can't beat us three times. Exactly right. Exactly right. Well, again, hard to believe we're at the end of the show, but again, uh, my highlight or my appointment viewing of the week will be this Sunday night, Tampa Bay Bucks at Dallas Cowboys. And if uh, the Bucks win, (laughs) they're going to be on everybody's radar in a hurry. Uh, So (laughs) it'll be fun to watch, AP. And thank you, as always, for calling in and for your great perspective. Thank you, John. It's always my pleasure. Look forward to the next time. All right. And as always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports. And we look forward to doing it all again next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. And we'll talk sports again next week.